I know it's getting a little bit later in the day and your legs aren't as uh, young as they were this morning. Um, but how did you do with that, with your methods? you have trouble with your methods? you had trouble? What kind of trouble you have? I think it was just a little exhaustion more than anything else. You're tired? Yes. All right. Um, anybody else have like major problems with your method? Nobody? You were staying awake? Drowsy. A little bit drowsy? Okay. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment uh, along with some of the other questions. I think Susan had some questions about the practice. Um, and obstructions, uh, so we'll talk about that now. Um, the idea is it's going to take you time to put this all together to use these, incorporate these into your method. In the beginning, you might feel like a juggler trying to juggle these things, but it's a matter of just remembering them so that they become natural. Just like I mentioned earlier in, in the day, it's like riding a bike. In the beginning, you have to remember everything. But later, it becomes very natural, and riding the bike, you no longer have to think about keeping the, the uh, front wheel pointed straight and pedaling and to keep your balance uh, going and, and looking and everything. It's all just automatic. You just do it. It will come naturally like that to you. But what's important is, is that those components of a proper practice are there. If they're not present, then it's very, very difficult for you to make progress because what happens is that you have to find this out on your own. So it's better for you to try to work with this now and to understand how this works. What I wanted to do is to go over a few things in terms of the practice in general and um, obstructions to the practice and, and obstructions to meditation. On, um, the uh, first three obstructions that come up are, are pretty simple ones. One is drowsiness, that one has drowsiness, but generally the first one that shows up is, uh, is a scattered mind. Mind gets scattered, we get frustrated because we, we want to try to make the mind calm down, but we can't make the mind calm down. The problem with this is that we lack the proper understanding of mind, so it frustrates us. And we lack the proper understanding of what the method is doing, so again, we're frustrated by that. Because we expect that if we sit there, we're going to turn into like a Buddha statue, and we're, everything's going to be perfect there. The problem is, is that we don't understand how the mind works, that it is going to generate thought. It's going to generate uh, many, many thoughts at any given moment because of, of all of the habitual energy that we put into previous thoughts are going to appear again. When we understand that and we understand we don't have to get rid of the thought, we just have, have to know that they have arisen that takes a great amount of pressure off of the scattered thoughts. And lo and behold, once we apply that, the thoughts begin to slow down quite quickly. But if we don't use that type of a method, then we're just subject to the onslaught of, 
all the thoughts that come through the mind without any kind of, of uh, an ability to manage them. With the proper training, we manage them by illuminating the mind and seeing that they're arising. And as that happens, the thoughts appear to slow down. But really what's happening is the mind is speeding up and is being able to process them and essentially making moment-to-moment decisions, no, I'm not going to accept that. So it's as if one is going down a buffet line and going, no, that's not healthy, that's not healthy, that's not healthy, that's not healthy. Here's method, I'll stay with that. That one's not healthy. Here's method, I'll stay with that. And, and it goes in this way. The, um, we also have the third obstruction, which is pain or body sensations that are uncomfortable to us, generally leg pain, back pain, neck pain, anything your self can conjure up. And sometimes it's just simply something that's wrong. You may have a problem with you that that um, is congenital or could be, I have a, a, a student that had a double knee replacement and, and so he had difficulty, but actually he's a pretty good sitter right now. And he just put that to to the side. I had another student that always sat with her back to the wall um, because of her discomfort, but then um, one day she decided to sit in the middle of the room and had a great sitting. And when that happened, she hasn't changed, I mean, she hasn't changed back the way she was. She's She's become an incredible practitioner, a very, very good practitioner, and it was just her having the faith to move away from the wall and deal with it and say, I'm not afraid of this. And when she did that, she became one of my best students. Very interesting. And she's a, a, like a really big girl, you know. And uh, so that's why I allowed her just to, to, to lean against the wall. But one day she just changed her way and boom. And she was sitting and she's one of the strongest proponents for the practice and keeps bringing people in all the time. So the idea of leg pain, things like that, they can go away. The, the sensation of soreness in your legs, in all likelihood, we all have a soreness in our legs from sitting for so long today. It's natural. But if you start thinking about your soreness in your legs, it's going to be unbearable. Why? Because yourself is unbearable. And yourself amplifies the signals to the brain that if you don't move your leg, you're going to die. And it may not be in the next second, but the second after that could happen. And so your yourself holds your body hostage to make it move around. But once you sit and you and you just let it go, then it becomes this kind of like a background noise. And then you get used to it, and it doesn't bother you as much. Uh, so, so those things are manageable. When we get past leg pain and scattered thoughts, that's generally when drowsiness sets in, or drowsiness can set in right away after a, a meal. Um, the first sitting after lunch is always a killer. Um, but here, you have to learn to overcome that drowsiness. And it can become habitual. It, it's a it's a horrible thing. I had it happen to me when I was younger in my practice, and and, 
and it became so habitual I had to change the time I meditated. I would wake up very early in the morning saying, now I've had a full night's sleep, there's no reason I can't meditate. And I broke out of it. It was kind of like a karmic obstruction. And it's very funny because in meditation, I've seen very unusual karmic obstructions. Um, I had one student that every time uh, he sat to meditate, he would cough. Now, he didn't cough during my lecture, uh, but he coughed when he meditated. And then when he went to a seven-day retreat, he started having a bloody nose. And when they took him out to go to the doctor, his bloody nose stopped. But as soon as he entered the Chan Hall, he had a bloody nose. So these are very unusual types of obstructions that people can have towards the practice and their, their karmic obstructions. Sometimes just getting to a retreat or getting somewhere is, a, is an obstruction. I had one time when I was trying to get to a retreat and all sorts of causes and conditions um, were coming up that seemed like they were, they were preventing me from getting there. And once I got there, I remember I, it was in, in Elmhurst, New York, and the Queens, uh, um, and I, I just opened the door. There was a, the Kuan Yin statue there, and I just kissed the ground. I was just going, I made it. You know, I really thought that's like a piano or something was going to fall out of a window and hit me before I got in there. And sometimes it's just that way. And then when you sit, all of a sudden, there were substantial things that were happening in there to me that that were were pretty um, pretty good. Then I realized why the obstructions were so hard, and I, I made it my best. Sometimes people are sick, and um, you when you try to sit and and actually you can sit pretty good when you're sick um, with the proper medication, but. If, sometimes if, if, if you can keep yourself from coughing, you'll be surprised. I, I sat next to a person once that had a really severe flu. And he told me, actually, it's not bad to sit. I really felt sorry for him because he was very bad. The next retreat, I had the flu. And it was one of my best sittings. And, um, and it was very funny because of that. I, it was just, I was... Uh, the sensation of being sick and stuff really didn't bother me that much. Um, after you get through the first uh, three major obstructions, uh, the, the next obstruction that comes up is boredom. Um, this comes up because you're, you're doing a method, watching the breath. Watching the breath, watching the breath, watching the breath, or the Watto, and you're on the Watto, you're on the Watto, Watto. And we're in a culture that wants results. Come on, got to have it right now. Right now, it's got to be here right now. You know, how long's that pizza man been, been gone? When did I order that pizza? We want it right now. But it doesn't work that way. It works contrary to what we feel. It takes its time. The more we push it, the slower it, it gets. But then we get bored with it. We just say, you know, I've been putting in this time. You know, I've been, I've been a Chan practitioner for, for two weeks now, and I haven't gotten anything. And so you go, I think I'll try something else. Because I hear that the, that the 
Tibetans, you can look at the mandala and stuff, and you can see that. And I think I'll try them. And and if not them, you know, maybe uh, the Nichiren, because they 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 have that nice saying that you can say over and over again and get whatever you want. All these things, all of a sudden, you start changing. Shifu equated that to somebody that was like a kid in a candy store, constantly changing. And it's also the same with the method. You should experiment with different kinds of methods to try. Uh, you start with watching the breath, but you shouldn't stop with watching the breath. Uh, wherever I go, that's pretty much the method everybody's on, is watching the breath. But you should try sun illumination. You should try uh, a Huateau. And in this particular organization, you know, everything's been kind of restricting in. It, the Huateau now is they're, they're saying that we should be only using what is Wu. But the other Huateaus work. Um, sun illumination, it requires a mind of concentration. That it requires a mind to be able to develop a Samadhi state. And, and to be able to develop illumination. But the samadhi state is one that can be developed quickly if one is, is able to, to settle their mind and with the right view so that we're not confused about what we're doing and trying to develop a samadhi state. We're not trying to make ourselves become knocked out or, or in a comatose we're just trying to settle the mind so the mind does not wander all over the place. Once that happens, then we're, we're able to better pick up uh, what is arising in mind. That which is arising in mind and knowing that is illumination of the mind. The only difference is between someone who has a small realization of illumination of the mind and the Buddha is the Buddha's is, is something that is complete that it, it doesn't um, fade in and out. It, it's, it's always there. But we have our experiences and we continue to, to work on that. But if we have the idea of boredom, we'll never get there. We have to approach the cushion with the right attitude. So today we talked about that and we talked about approaching the cushion with the idea of of uh, one relaxing the body and relaxing the mind. When we have this attitude and then the attitude, this moment is very special. I don't have to work right now. I don't have to take care of anybody. I don't have to wash clothes. I don't have to do anything. Oh, I have this moment all to myself. I can sit on this cushion. And when you have this moment, it's a precious moment. And when you have this type of an attitude, you have a greater chance of really making it worth something. So the idea is having this attitude and the attitude that you really want to apply the method in the right way. It's not you where you're just kind of like there and nobody's here like that, but I've had times when you have people in your class and they're kind of like no generally somebody brought them to the class and and you know they're late for the door already there's nothing you can do with them because their attitude is not correct and you only try to make good 
connection with them for the next time you see them, maybe in the next lifetime. But there's times when people do come in and you make that connection and they, they kind of work through it and then they see that there's a value there. My job is to, to make Chan interesting so that you investigate it. My job is not to teach you, but to make you have an interest in the subject and so that you can study. And the things that I teach you are just pointed towards that interest so that it makes it seem like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I want to explore that a little bit more. And so you have this attitude you have the attitude of a beginner. And this is something that's very, very dangerous for us um, in terms of the practice. As one becomes more adept at the practice, we're able to kind of sink into this, um, this practice where we feel comfortable. We can sit there all day and it doesn't bother us. Maybe we have an ache pain, but we can sit, we can go to retreat but there's no lights on and nobody's home. Nothing is happening. What happens is that one becomes complacent in their practice and they actually take this complacency to be the proper practice. Um, some just say, well, I'm satisfied with what I got here. Or back in eight. I was going to say 1897, but in 1987 I once had a little realization. That's good enough for me because this is where I'm at and that's what I got and I feel comfortable with it. But this is not the way we practice. When we practice, we always have a beginner's mind. We never have the idea that we're going to reach any state. We always begin the game right at the beginning again. But the difference is that because we've become more adept at the practice, we're able to incorporate all of the things that we have so that we can get a good start. And that we find that we can get into samadhi state much faster. And we can make good use of the time. Um, when we do that and have a beginner's mind, then it's limitless. You're going to experience different things along the way. Sometimes you're going to have good sittings. Sometimes you're going to have bad sittings. You all know that. So even in a single day, you may have a good sitting and you may have some bad ones, clunkers. And that's just the way it is. But each time you sit, you have the idea that you're sitting with, with a, a beginner's mind, that the proper attitude. This is a precious time. Let me make a go of it. Let's see what I can do with it. This is very, very important. We've got to stay away from this mind, this complacent mind, or this mind that has already reached a certain level. And sometimes I go to different places and I say, you know, I've been telling you the same stuff for many years. Why haven't you gotten it? Because you're not putting it into practice. you got to put it into practice. you got to make the effort. You can't just come and say, oh, Gilbert talks this way. So that's really good. You've got to do it. And if you apply it in this way, it will work. But it doesn't matter how many retreats you attend, how many masters that you listen from, you cannot plug in their experience into you. They can only lend you the, the, the roadmap on how to get there. 
and, and you have to, to take that trip yourself. But if you do, it will pay off. If you don't, then you just kind of stay in the same place. Another thing is that, uh, we kind of touched on a little bit, was that you can't be in, in too much of a hurry to get things done. If you're in too much of a hurry to try to get your practice in and to get a result, you're not going to get it. it it's not going to work that way. You, you have to give it its time. But on the other hand, if you practice in a proper way, then you will achieve results. You will achieve them. There's no doubt, no doubt in my mind that you will achieve results if you practice right. If you hold your method, never abandon your method. And sometimes I, I talk to people and they want me to certify that they've, they've achieved enlightenment or something along those lines. And I'm going like, oh my gosh, here we go again. And, you know, sometimes there's people with really genuine good experiences um, and you try to keep them on the path and encourage them, but not falsely certify them that they're there, even though they want you to, and even though you know they're not going to be happy with you when you tell them it's unified mind or something else. They'll continue to argue with you about things in a, in a respectful way most of the time. Shifu had one like that where the person was was talking to him and, he, and Shifu was asking him questions. Well, did it feel this way? Did it feel that way? Did you do this or that? And finally the person said, Shifu, you, you, you keep asking me these questions of, to, to try to find out if I was enlightened. I'm, I'm, um, I'm enlightened. No. And, and Shifu said, well, an enlightened person doesn't act like you. And the thing is, is that we don't want to to settle for some cheap experience. We want to keep moving. And as you go along, you will find that you'll have many realizations along the way. And they all build on each other as long as you don't, like, chop up, chalk them up and say, you know, I've, um, that, uh, that you've acquired so many of them and in terms of this and trying to, to think that this is at, at a certain level. The whole thing is, is that what you want to do is, is that you, the evidence of your practice really is not in, in what you say but in what you do. And that's where you will see it. And you won't even know what you're doing because you're not there anymore to, to see that. But if you want to get some kind of a, of a certification or verification, then that creates a problem. No, I've been there and done that. I've gone to retreats where I'm sitting there and working and working and working and trying to do that. And I'm, I'm sweating and pushing and I have a greater chance of laying an egg than to become enlightened. And uh, most of the time I did lay an egg there. And, but it's all a learning process. It's all a process that you go through, and I'm a person here to tell you, go past that, go through that, go go to the next level, and you will, you you will, uh, you know, you will be fine. 
don't worry about that. Don't try to stop and pick an unripened fruit. Just keep practicing and, and you'll, you'll do well. Another thing that comes up, and this is very common, is a loss of faith. We have to develop a strong faith in our practice. If we don't develop a strong faith in our practice, then when we have a bad sitting, we go, I don't know if I want to sit again. I, I've been sitting, I'm not getting anywhere. I, I just want to, to quit. And, and, and you will quit in your practice uh, because you just don't have enough faith to, to stay with the practice. It's important for you to have faith. You have faith in, um, in the system, uh, faith in your method, faith in your teacher, and faith in yourself. And that's very, very important. So you have to have faith that, that you can do it. Even then you'll put on a loose self. It's okay, you can do it. And you keep pushing with that. You have, you have to find a good teacher, one that can, can guide you in the proper way. And, um, and using the proper methods. And when you have that and you go, I have a good teacher, I have a good method, I just have to have faith in myself that I can do it. And you push on and you push on. Most of the time we let ourselves down. We don't, we don't uh, push as hard as we should. And we only kind of give it um, a half an effort. And we think that's enough, next time I'll do the other half. But you never put the full effort in. But the more you put the effort in, the, the more you're going to have some kind of, of a result with the practice. And um, we, we already talked about the satisfaction that, that we just have a satisfaction. That is very dangerous just to kind of like say, okay, I'm just going to stay with what I've already done. Every time you sit, you have to go, okay, you know, um, this is that this new city. Another one is, and and we talked about it a little bit too, is the idea of the preconception of what enlightenment is. So we have this idea that we have, or like the 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 young man that was writing me the other day, and he was saying, well, Shifu said in his book at page sixty-seven that enlightenment, blah 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 blah. And I had blah, 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 blah. Therefore, I'm enlightened. He didn't quite say that, but he was implying that. And I was implying perhaps maybe you should study a little bit more and practice more and do this. Um, and so when we have a preconception of what enlightenment is, we push ourselves to fit in to that pattern. A long time ago, I was asked, to participate in a book that talked about um, people's experiences uh, and realizations. And I didn't talk about anything like that. I just used, my experience was teach. Wow, I've got so many pages I can talk about the Dharma. Well, that was my experience, was let me spread the Dharma. But. I didn't want to put anything down about any kind of experiences I had because people would look at it and they'd go on page, you know, 98, Gilbert said that the experience was like this. And that's what I had. 
and that's the danger of putting things down like that then people try to mimic it don't mimic anything you know it the thing about all of this is it's an ordinary mind very mundane very very mundane all the only difference is, is that you know which way your nostrils are pointing they're pointing down you're clear about what you're doing that's that's what comes out of it but it's a pretty good coming out of it because of the uh, it kind of clarifies what what what's there but it's not something that somebody can copy or mimic because a well-known advisor will know that it it's it's not a, a true realization especially if somebody keeps persisting to ask you but no it was really this way and it was very funny because I asked this person one question I said ask yourself why do you practice he never responded to that so I knew something missing there another issue that comes up in the practice as we practice is the the idea of a unified mind and this is a big how would you say um, a stepping stone but it has to be a stepping stone most of the time what happens is people go to a unified mind and then just fall into it like a pit sometimes I equate it to like a record that keeps skipping and doesn't get off that tune it just keeps on that one and it stays there and the, because the idea of a unified mind is such that it's something different than what we've experienced since it's different than what we've experienced we go wow this must be enlightenment because I feel at one with everything everything is that way you can you can uh, feel at one with the trees and one with the, the sky and one with the beavers and all sorts of different things I never hear the people say I'm at one with a piece of dung but that should be the way too right if you're at one with things you should be at one with all the nasty things too but it's always this kind of uh, everything is beautiful type thing and it is it's a very good experience and and what happens is you replace this little eye that you use with a big eye which is the environment but it's very very tricky because since you can't see yourself in the environment you assume that the self is not there but the self is still there we just don't see it anymore and so we think it's it doesn't exist therefore this must be enlightenment but alas we're still there if we get into this state we got to get out of it the sooner you get out of it the better if you don't get out of it you, you get stuck there but it's kind of a nice place and people like to stay there they they like to park there it was as if you were in a monopoly game and there was this one square that says you could stay here in this nice little spot underneath this tree and you can stay here as long as you want I think I'll just stay here and and you don't move on from there or if you stay long enough you can't get out of that spot beyond the unified mind there are even different things such as a, an incredible state of bliss 
you can get into a state of bliss where truly you do not want to get out of. I mean, it is a state where where you don't have a care, you don't have a thought other than this feels cool. And if you get into it, you may mistake that for enlightenment as well because it's such a great state. But if you still have a thought process and you remember what your teacher told you, don't abandon the method. So you're there and all of a sudden you're going, wait a minute, where's my method? I lost my method. I know I have a method and I know what the method is, but I'm no longer using it anymore. I'm just in a state of bliss. So I need to get out of the state of bliss to keep moving forward. But you really don't want to do it because it's such a great feeling. It's like, I don't want vacation to end. So I have to go back to work. But you got to do it. you got to get yourself out of that. Um, and you have to do whatever you can to get out. And it's easy because once you, you get it and you go, okay, I'm getting out of it. And you go, oh, no, I'm back into it again. I feel so comfortable, so wonderful. No, no, i got to get out of it. So that's the opposite of the original obstructions. You're in this wonderful awakened state where where nothing you're there's no pain, no nothing, no scattered mind, but you're not moving forward. That could happen to you. And it's not as easy as you think to get out of it because of the fact that it's so pleasurable. Um, but it can happen. Another thing that can happen is that you can develop chi pressure. Now this generally is a Chinese problem. Sorry. But the idea is that the chi you because they understand chi but they know how to move the chi but then the chi gets stuck. This chi is this energy and it gets stuck in a certain place and it creates a pressure. And all of a sudden they have a pressure in their stomach, pressure somewhere and they can't get rid of it. Pressure in their head. And you have to watch that. Anyone can have that kind of a, a sensation. It's because we don't understand that wherever the mind goes, the chi follows. So it's just like a bellows. We keep pumping more and more chi in there. And after a while, it, it feels uncomfortable. And so probably the easiest way to get rid of it is just imagine that you have a drain plug at the bottom of your feet and unplug it and just blow the energy out your your at the bottom of your feet, the yo and chin. And um, uh, you can dissipate the chi in that way. If not, then you just need somebody to help you to, to show you how to dissipate the chi and then you'll be okay. But you don't put your attention on the area on where the chi is building up and you'll, you'll be fine. The Some of the other obstructions that come up, one of them that's most notable is lack of concentration. Lack of concentration is on the samadhi side, and it's just that we have not developed enough ability to hold our method. The only way we can we can do that is by developing our method, our 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 intention to hold the method more. We have difficulty trying to hold the method but we need to break through that and the Theravadins have developed 
a very extensive and exhaustive, literally exhaustive, ways of developing concentration. The problem is, is that when you talk to a Theravadan, they're all on concentration. Nobody kind of moves past that. You know, it seems that because it, it's so extensive. In Chan, we don't have those methods to develop the concentration. So what we what we have to do is rely on our uh, what we call virya, which is our the proper exertion. Virya is is a tenacity to stay with the method and um, to continually come back to the method, the method, the method until we totally have um, uh, been able to to push out the thought. When I say push out the thought, meaning that that by clinging to the method moment to moment, in this present moment the method's there, in this present moment the method's there, in this present moment the method is there. There's no self there then it will work. That's why I showed you staying in the present moment because that is a concentration component of the method. And we we don't use like casinas, images of colored discs to, to practice with uh, like the Theravadans. We have to use virya, our proper exertion, and the right view to be able to hold on to it. So the right view is a component that is on both sides of samadhi and illumination of the mind. And so in the illumination, the right view is one that clearly sees why things are arising in the mind. And it, it doesn't need to push thought out. It knows that if the thought is ignored, it will dissipate on its own. And when you understand that, the pressure is off of you to avoid a scattered mind. doesn't matter if you have a scattered mind. It's natural that, that all these thoughts are arising. Just let them in their own time dissipate. And they will. They will dissipate. The um, obstructions after that point become much more sophisticated. They become to a point where one is... Um, is seeing a lot more, f feeling a lot more things intuitively. And as a result of that, one can, can cling to any of those things that come up. And uh, you can be whisked right off the method. But if these, these skills arise, you just simply let them go. You know that they're a component of of your practice, and they represent that there's something that um, that you're doing right. But if you hold on to them, it will not it will not be very good. And and they they can be very um, uh, very provocative, very interesting to hold on to. Um, where all of a sudden you can hear things that other people don't hear, or you can do things or see things that other people don't see. And um, but it doesn't matter. You you just push beyond those things. The I think that I had a pretty good background because of my my practice in Qigong. I already had some of that kind of ability. So 
when these things appeared in Chan, I had already realized that they were not all that important. Um, and that was why I was looking at Chan, because I wanted to develop wisdom, not these, these intuitive powers or supernatural powers or whatever. And so they weren't that attractive to me. Um, and when you if get to that point, then if you have issues with that, talk to a well-known advisor. The thing is that you have to be prepared that some well-known advisors have never had those kinds of experiences, so there's no way they could they can even advise you about that. Maybe they have. Uh, some of them have had those kinds of experiences. Some of them haven't. But you, you find the people that can help you and say, hey, I've had this. And they'll generally tell you, keep practicing. That's not bad, but keep practicing. Um, in terms of that, don't, don't worry, because all of a sudden you can see things or try to do things in a different way. And, and, and it's not enlightenment. It's just that, that these, all you're doing is accessing mind. So you have a, um, more information that is accessible to you than a non-practitioner. As a result of your practice, the idea of what your receptors are in terms of information are no longer limited to eye, ear, nose, tongue. There, there's mine, but mine is is expansive. So it's going to bring in other information and other ways of of uh, of obtaining information if one begin begins to become too satisfied with that then you stay there and you start literally becoming more of a qigong practitioner than a than a, a chan practitioner we're there not to cultivate power we're there to cultivate wisdom we cultivate the proper wisdom it produces bodhicitta which is the wisdom combined with compassion and that that's where we're going with all of that so these are some of the things that one can encounter along the way you're a, whether you're a beginner or you've been practicing for a while, just kind of remember these things. The most important thing with our practice is that you never abandon the method. You always keep your method. And you, um, in the study side, to really study what mind is and to cultivate mind, don't, don't cultivate our um, uh, consciousness. We contemplate mind, contemplate consciousness, but we don't think in the cognitive level. We contemplate, allow consciousness to reflect in mind. And any questions about what I've been talking about? Yeah. If you're really drowsy and you're at home, um, you know, I have a couple of alternatives. One is to, not necessarily just even bored, you know, dazed. Um, is it a good idea to get up and start walking around or something like that? Or, or is it better to maybe stand up and meditate? Or, or um, Because I don't want to get into the practice of, okay, I'm dazed, let me walk around a little bit because I can't do it in regular practice. The, the but you can't just sit there dazed either. You know, Here's the thing: is is that like let's say 
you've had a really busy day and you want to sit to meditate, but you're really, really tired too, might be better to go to sleep or to do a 10-minute nap like Shifu used to tell us to do. So you just sleep for 10 minutes, no more than 10 or else you'll, you'll sleep the whole night or you'll be, wake up very, very drowsy. But you become very uh, accomplished at this quick nap. And it will give you enough energy for you to make it through your meditation and then some. Um, you can get up, but you have to be careful that it doesn't become a habit. So every time you go this way, the self is very clever, remember? So it says, oh, sleep, oh, I better get up. And then next, you're, you're there watching TV or you're doing something else and then you forget all about the meditation. Oh, look what time it is, now time to go to sleep. And the next day you do the same thing. So you have to be careful about establishing habits. You want to establish proper habits such as approaching the cushion with a proper attitude. And there's times when I'll sit and I may not be all into it, but I'll say I'll sit for as long as I can sit. And I sit with a proper attitude and then there's times when I'll sit and I'll break through it and I'll, I'll have a very long sitting and, and a good sitting and there's times when I'll be sitting and you know five or ten minutes into it I start getting drowsy and I go I'm not getting anywhere and and I know I'm not getting anywhere and, and I'll break it off but I won't make that a habit that's kind of an exception to the rule and I understand sometimes I'm just tired you know, I'm kind of an old bird now, so if I'm up too late, I might be getting too tired. And so I have to be mindful about that. Um, I'm sleeping a little bit more than, than I was before, so now I, like, I average six hours a night to sleep seven times, seven hours sometimes if I oversleep. Um, but I used to sleep, like, hardly any time. And, um, but you, you, you adapt to it and you try to find the ways to do that so that you don't get into the habit of just getting up all the time. But if you really can't do it, then you can't do it. Uh, and the problem with that is if, if you can't do it, then what you're doing is you're forcing yourself in a way in which it creates a negative feeling or a negative attitude towards sitting. Because you're just there and you're just going, this is no fun, this is really no fun. But you have to be careful about conditioning yourself to saying that this is no fun all the time. And then that's where people quit because they, they, they lost that zeal. There's what they call virya, which is one of the, the 37 aids to enlightenment. And virya is very important. Virya, actually the root word is viral. And viral like a... No, he's a virile macho man. But it, what it really means is, is, is applying with the proper exertion. And using that proper exertion to practice is very, very important. And so you, you have to guard against that. Okay. Any other questions? All right. You're going to get your last meditation in right now. Go for it again. Try it. Remember, relaxation. Staying in the present moment and being able to apply your method and no thinking. Give it your best 10 minutes. <laughs> 